Sit back and relax. Bridal Bliss provides brides-to-be with the confidence, calm and insight that leads to a once-in-a-lifetime wedding day. Bridal Bliss is the podcast for brides who seek a joyful wedding journey. This is Daniel Took, and uh, I'm on the Griffin Alliance podcast today with Mr. Matt Bradshaw, who runs a uh, band booking agency. So, uh, Matt, welcome to the podcast. Hello, Daniel. How are you? Very good. Um, so, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Well, I have been a musician for quite some years now. In fact, music was something I started doing when I didn't like university anymore. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I guess that kind of makes me a typical musician uni dropout. But I certainly have never for one day regretted my decision. I've been given some incredible opportunities to play music literally all over the world. You know, China, Southeast Asia, America, Europe, and every state and territory of Australia. So, Cool. And yeah. how, how did you get into music, though? So was it just an organic thing, or did you... How did you get into music in general, and then how did you make the switch to, I guess, being a professional? My first act was a three-piece all-original band. So I, as I said, you know, left uni and uh, bought a guitar, taught myself to play, taught myself to sing, wrote some songs, and put together a three-piece band, and we went out and played my songs. So over the course of the first couple of years of me playing, and this was in Adelaide, your old stomping ground, I believe. Yes, definitely. I played pretty well every every position in different bands while I found my feet as a musician. So I've been a sound engineer, a bass player, a keyboard player, a guitarist, and a lead singer. So I've got a, a really good appreciation of what goes into every every facet of what makes a band good. And you found that's been important over the last couple of years? Oh, very much so. I guess in any professional endeavour, if you can have an appreciation for what it takes to do each person's job, then... Um, you know, and that might not necessarily mean actually doing those jobs. I think I've just been in the fortunate position that I've been able to do all those things. So I got plucked from that sporadic playing schedule in Adelaide and taken to China for what was initially a four-month tour. So right. <laughs> I, um, I was the lead vocalist, guitarist, and sort of programmer, like keyboard programmer guy. All right. Uh, at that stage, I'd I'd done maybe 50 live gigs. So I had... Virtually no experience. Um, I was playing guitar in a Susie Quattro tribute band. And wow. I was fronting a hard rock band. I had hair halfway down my back at that point. Um, and I pretty well that first four-month tour taught me the majority, I reckon, of my stagecraft, just how to deal with venues and managers, how to keep my voice firing, you know, four or five sets a night, sometimes six, seven nights a week. Wow. And just how to, how to speak with... And relate to patrons from all walks of life, and how to sing in Mandarin. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so it was easy, is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, I well think, how, um, how do you like? How do you pull off that many, you know, nights in a row and that many gigs in a row? I mean, that's in, insane. I know there's quite a few um, award-winning artists that struggle with doing more than three or four gigs a week. I think back then, because that was a little while ago now, I think that mm. was probably partly glorious naivety. Um, <laughs> yeah. I just, you know, I mean, that was the job that I had to do. So you just kind of knuckle down and do it. And not that I'm, not that I'm old now by any stretch, but you're certainly more resilient when you're younger. You know, we're sort of talking, well, before I moved to Melbourne. So I've been in Melbourne for more than a decade now. And mm. I pretty well, I came to Melbourne from doing three years of overseas work, of, of those sorts of gigs, contracts in China and, and Dubai. So it just, I mean, you get, you certainly, like any profession that requires you to physically use your body, you get match fit, you get gig fit. Mm. So because I love what I do, I never actually feel like I need a holiday per se. So I don't tend to take many breaks. I know that if I get a few days off, I come back and I... I actually don't sing as well at my first gig back as I do at my fourth gig back because it just it's amazing how quickly if you have three or four or five days off singing, it's amazing how quickly you just untrain. That's why footballers train all the time and then go out and can play the way they do, I, I suppose. It's that sort of thing. Yeah, it's very true. Like I find that with DJing as well. Like if I – um, yeah, people ask why I do so many gigs and uh, some of it is just because – if you have a week off, I find, uh, 
yeah, you just kind of, you, I don't know, you're just a little bit off for that little bit of time and that kind of thing. And I yeah, think there's, there's yeah, something yeah. to it where, I don't know if it's the same with bands and stuff, but just, you know, you're thinking about things a lot and your your brain's processing things and even new songs and that kind of thing. I know you guys do heaps of new songs as well and try new stuff out. And just that whole process, I think, is, um, yeah, I'm not sure what it is. That's I'm definitely sure part it of it. I mean, and I suppose it's the same with lots of uh, fields of endeavour, although I don't know if this is necessarily what I'm talking about when I think about friends of mine who who aren't musicians mm. who, um, you know, take a couple of weeks off drinking and then <laughs> 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 and then go out and have a, uh, have a belter. But, of course, you know, a belter means three or four drinks and they're already uh, falling over. So, you know, yeah, exactly. you've got to be fit for this stuff. Yeah, exactly. I think that'll be me uh, at the next Bucks party that I'm going to, for sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, I might die. All right. So most of the people that will be listening to this podcast will be brides and grooms that have probably never had a wedding before. They've probably been to a couple of weddings and they may have seen some bands and that kind of stuff. So what do you do with – so you play in bands at weddings do you, and you organize bands at weddings. Is that right? Yeah, yeah I do both those things because I'm a I'm – a, a performer first and foremost, a singer and guitarist, but as well as an adjunct to that. And just because I have so many friends of mine who are musicians and performers, I've started running a just a very boutique agency on the side. So basically where I only get to recommend acts that are completely fit for purpose. So I've got a select number of really good performers that if somebody happens to call me and says they need somebody to to perform at a certain function, if I don't have the right act for them, I won't just try and fit them in. There seems to be an unfortunate preponderance these days for a one-size-fits-all approach to wedding entertainment. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, for a, a couple's one special day, it's simply not good enough. If a couple goes to a bridal fair and sees a band that they like and books them, I, I think they clearly deserve to get the band that they book. Mm-hmm. And that to some people listening to this, um, that probably seems like a really obvious concept, but I can tell you more and more often this isn't what's happening. And yeah. Certainly, anecdotally, you know, I've, I've heard the stories. Many's the bride who have, you know, who's been in tears on her big day because the entertainment was just simply not what she booked. And that's not fair. Yeah, and especially if there's no communication of that before the actual day as well, which is a huge one. Because w- we get that the same in, um, in wedding DJs. Like, Sometimes people pay a deposit, but they might pay it a month after they said they would, and we haven't locked in the DJ because they haven't paid the deposit. And um, we have to give the deposit back because the DJs we've got that would be appropriate for them are booked out. So wow, we try and help okay. the other DJs and stuff like that. But a lot of yeah, a lot of DJ companies, which people don't realize, is a lot of them don't actually use people, like vetted people. They just get the bookings in and then just find people to fill the bookings. <laughs> and yeah, most correct. of the time, Absolutely. they've never seen them ever DJ before, never really had any reviews. They might have seen them on Facebook groups and that kind of stuff, and they're just like, this is how much it is. Can you do it? Cool. Lock it in. <laughs> and that's it. And I guess yeah. that's kind of probably what's happening with some of the um, – well, I don't think they're called agencies, but, yeah, there's definitely a couple of groups that do that with bands where they'll see a band and they'll book the band for five different uh, – five different weddings on the same date and magically have uh, five different groups of people do the same thing. So Yeah, that's right. That's and it, right. Is, it is tough. Yeah, it's a tough thing to get across because, you know, for a lot of bug rooms, they don't realise that the band that they saw is just one of, you know, for some of the um, the booking groups, you know, they might have 10 bands under the same name. So That's right. So it is tough because they don't see the other 10 bands. I mean, we do, but that's only because we're in the industry. Yeah. Uh, whereas for them, they only see the one and, you know, I guess – the booking agencies probably don't like to make that well known because then uh, they wouldn't be able to make as much money, basically. So, yes. So yeah, it's it's a strange one, I guess. And there's not really much that you can do about it because you don't want to be negative and talk to the brides and grooms about it, really. Like you, you know, because then it seems like you're trying to downplay the other the other people in the industry, which is a bit well, that's dumb. right, and that and that's where something like what you're doing here with this podcast is really good because it means you get to. I'm essentially offering a an objective opinion rather than actually talking to somebody directly and saying, do you realise? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And the thing is as well is that it, it's not – people that will be listening to this 
could be from anywhere around the world. And um, so it's not that you're talking to people that you're quoting on. Because the thing is that Correct. I found with all of these is that A, all of the people we're talking to are pros. None of them are the cheapest at all because they are pros. And so they don't need to be the cheapest. Sure. Um, and C, they're quite passionate about the industry. And they, for example, with you, I know that um, that you get upset when people have bad experience at their wedding. It doesn't matter who they are. And with bands especially, because the, the big thing, I guess, is that it just uh, makes it harder for everyone else, including us. Absolutely, it does. You just you don't want to be in an industry that has a bad reputation, and it's one rotten apple that spoils the barrel. You know. Yeah. Well, what would you recommend that um, brides and grooms should ask, or what should they even look for before they call for a band? What are the things that they should look for, or you know, what, or even what is the difference between an agency and and a, a booker or a person that runs a band solo? What are the pros and cons of all of those? Well, I think, I mean, that that's partially, I think, the one-size-fits-all approach. It's just, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think without wanting to denigrate the industry in inverted commas, I think there's been a, a tendency in the past for an agent to simply look at a list of bands when they have a, a client ringing in with an inquiry and just see who they've got that's available without necessarily thinking about what the client wants. Now, that comes down to the agent just having, you know, tab A fit into slot B. But that's mm. also the client needs to think about exactly what it is that they want. You know, I mean, if that's what sort of music, if that's what sort of DJ they want, you know, if you've got a wedding function coming up, I mean, weddings tend to be a fairly wide demographic of ages. There's often kids and there's, you know, parents and grandparents and all that sort of thing. But sometimes it's not. You know, I've certainly played at weddings where the average age has been 30. There's no point in having a DJ that's going to play music from the 60s. If that happens because the client hasn't been explicit about what it is or what the demographic's going to be or how many people are going to be there, you know, that's partially the fault of the client. So it's certainly it's about making sure with every facet of any of these sorts of arrangements for a wedding, just making sure that the communication is there, that the lines of communication are open, that everything is kind of clear and above board. Mm. I mean, in anything in life, if you tell someone what you want and then that doesn't get delivered, well, then the fault doesn't lie with you. It lies with the person who didn't provide what you asked. Yeah, definitely. And I guess, you know, for the, um, especially for agencies, the big thing is if people don't kind of request certain things, then they'll just give you the general. Cause, and the, the thing is that a lot of people don't care. Like they're happy, you know. Like I've definitely had um, people want to book with us and then they go, well, actually, my mum's paying for the wedding and she wants a band. So we're just going to get a band. So I'm really sorry about that. Right. Um, and they just wow. book, okay. Yeah, and they just book a band. And, that you know, the mum doesn't particularly care, but she just wanted a band. So for those bookings, an agency would be great because it's literally we just want a band. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Um, whereas I find that pretty much 99% of the people that book us, and I'm sure it's the same with you as well, want something specific. So they want you because they've seen you or they want you because they know that you can learn songs, I imagine, or something like that. That's exactly um, right. I mean, certainly most of the wedding functions that I book for me personally or for my band or my duo or my trio or even just solo are people who have seen me do my pub gigs, you know, playing at Crown Casino or, you know. And so more or less, you know, 95% of the time they give me carte blanche to do what it is that I do. I mean, the reason they've booked me to play at their wedding is because they like they like what I've done at the pub gig they've seen me at. Mm. I, you know, I'll occasionally, I've certainly, I've stopped giving wedding clients my song list because it's my solo repertoire, for example, is, it's probably close on 800 songs now. Mm. Now it's, at a wedding function, I will probably play between 30 and 35 songs. You know, yep. when you're talking about two hours of performance time over the course of a an eight to 10 hour call, you know, yeah. when you talking about getting there and setting up before the loading in, loading yeah. out, everything else. Yeah. Um, it's ridiculous to give a client a list of 800 songs and say, here you go, just choose what you want to hear. Much better if I get the client to say, you know, just give me an idea of what you like. Possibly more importantly, tell me what you really don't want to hear. Mm. You know, 
part of, I think, what makes me, this is a terrible phrase, slightly unique, <laughs> <laughs> is that most of my gigs are, are request-driven. And mm. so most of the clients I get say, you know, just do what you did when we saw you on that, that Sunday afternoon. You know, just because, uh, you know, the people who are coming to our wedding are kind of casual and relaxed. And if they want to hear songs, you know, you should play them for them. And that's all fine and dandy. But uh, if someone comes up and requests Blister in the Sun and the bride and groom hate Blister in the Sun, I don't want to play that. I don't want to do that, <laughs> you know, that because it's their day. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, we actually found the same thing as well about... 10 years ago when I was back in Adelaide, um, I put together a song list of all the songs that we had because quite often brides and grooms would say, oh, can we get a list? I'm sure you get the same as well. Oh, can we get a list? And um, now we don't do that anymore. I say to them, I want a list of all you know the songs you definitely want and all the songs that you definitely don't want. Those yep. are the most important ones. Plus anything you know for the entrance or the bouquet or anything like that as well, obviously. Yeah. And then all the genres you do like and all the genres you don't like. Yeah. And that's pretty much it because we can take it from there because if there's anything that is on the must play list and i'm sure you get it as well where quite often there's songs that you, you just kind of know aren't going to work with the crowd but they're definite must play songs so you kind of work it in somewhere yeah um, but when we gave out the list we found that people were just ticking yes to like hundreds of songs <laughs> yeah <laughs> because well, they throw the list and go oh i like that song oh i like that song and then you've got this huge list and then you've got to keep it in your head of like all the songs you've got to play and, you know, and it means also that you can't kind of just play to what people are getting into. I don't know that you guys do that. I've seen it before where, you know, you'll change the set list because, you know, one song went really well and you just go, oh, I know that this song would absolutely kill it. hundred percent. And that's, uh, I guess that's probably a big difference between you guys and other bands because a lot of bands would have like a set rec list, wouldn't they? One hundred percent. That's absolutely what they do, and it's it's interesting. I was talking to my best mate the other day, who is probably one of the other hardest working musos around Melbourne, mm. and he was talking about the fact that he he's been doing quite a few duo gigs recently. He's he's just moved out to the country, mm. and the people he's been booking to do duo gigs with him that literally have been turning up and. On a music stand, just putting a list of 30 songs. All right, is that your set list tonight? No, that's that's what I know. Right. Hang on a second. So that's those 30 <laughs> songs are what you play every night. Yep. Every night you play. Yep. Brown-eyed girl. <laughs> uh, yep. <laughs> well, that, why would you need to know more than 30 songs, Matt? You're only going to play 28. So you've got to up your sleeve. Me, I mean, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I guess that's pretty common. I guess for brides and grooms listening, I guess that's the thing to ask really is, I think that's maybe one of the reasons why people ask, and that's probably why we get the question as well, is that there are some DJ companies that only have their wedding list of songs. And I think most of them have gone bankrupt now. Right. Um, but there's still a couple around that, yeah, like I heard of one that um, he'd put a mixed CD on, which is like a 70-minute mixed CD, which had uh, like all the mega mixes. Like you remember the old school mega mixes, like Michael Jackson mega mix and stuff. And then he used to go for a cigarette and just put that on for an hour because it was like you know ABBA, um, just all the you know okay, the wedding that, regular that's stuff. That's remarkable. I yeah, so I thought that was quite, that, that was quite funny. And I guess that's why brides and grooms ask because, like what I've heard from other people on this podcast is that you know brides and grooms are doing heaps of googling, and there's thousands of articles about what are the top 10 things for hiring a, a band? What are the questions you should ask? You know, all, all, just all kinds of stuff. And it kind yeah, of, wow, in okay. a way, it confuses people, I think, because it's kind of, a lot of it is about, I guess, uh, averting a crisis. So when they ask about, oh, what's, you know, what's your list of songs? It's probably more about, yeah, making sure that it's not one of those people that only has 30 songs, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. That's That's really interesting. I hadn't thought of it in that way. So but what do you recommend good. for I mean, you know, brides and grooms to, to kind of be able to suss that out without necessarily – because the other thing is that, you know, yeah, I've said before with, um, you know, the bands just say, oh, no, we've got a huge list of songs, <laughs> and then they rock up with 30. Um, <laughs> how would you – like as far as a bride and groom, how, what questions could they ask to actually suss out if the band's got a big repertoire or can learn songs and that kind of stuff if, if required compared to not? Are there any things that they could ask, do you think, that would kind of illuminate that? Other than straight out saying, you know, how many songs do you know? Well, uh, that's a very interesting question. I suppose 
I suppose that comes back to making sure that you know what it is you want as the client. And if you've got specific mm. songs you want to hear, like if, if you've got specific songs you really, really want to hear, like the song that was playing when you met your partner, you know, the song you first danced to, you know, any of those sorts of things, if they are absolutely must-haves, then that's the question to ask. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, I think and that's I've a good... had that and, and the songs have been you know, wildly inappropriate for a band to play. Uh, I had a request the other night for um, a Billy Joel song, The Longest Time, ah. which is the a cappella one. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's, it's all Billy Joel. It's all Billy Joel's voice. Well, you could probably um, put a jug in there or something, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that's beautiful. And, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm all for playing requests. But if something is completely untenable, then, you know, I have to apologise and say, well, you know what, and, but, and these are the reasons. So, yeah, definitely. And I guess that's the thing is that, yeah, if, uh, if people say yes to all your requests, then you probably have to be a little bit... Uh, Hesitant, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, that, that's true too. I guess it's a good way for couples to, you know, as far as budgeting-wise, is to save money because I know that some bands will learn songs, but they'll charge four or $500 to learn a song kind of thing. Is that right? Um, yeah, yeah. Because well, the thing is that quite a few bands will have their list and from talking to other people, you know, especially the ones that get, they'll have like, you know, four different players from just all different bands that may have never played before. Yeah. What they'll do is the the company will say, okay, so you need to know these thirty songs, which is you know Brown Eyed Girl and just all the regular kind of stuff, so that the band can guarantee that everyone actually knows those songs. But then to do anything else, because those people haven't played before and they're not going to play before or maybe again afterwards, sure, yeah, yeah. Um, then they would actually need to physically get together to practice those songs, and yeah, so they charge four or five hundred dollars to learn a song or two because <sighs> um, because they need to get together. And I guess that's a good thing for brides and grooms to know because uh, I imagine with you guys, because you've got, well, A, you've got a huge list anyway, and B, because I know most of your musos are classically trained and all that kind of stuff as well. So even on the night, they could probably just figure out a song on the spot rather than, you know, having to pay them for three hours of labor extra each and all yeah. that kind of thing. So it's kind of, I guess that's, that's a, in a way, I guess, where brides and grooms could save money on or get a, you know, um, pay for a better band that um, is able to put those requests and stuff in. Well, look, there's, there's no denying that um, the benefit of experience goes a long way. You know? mm. and, and not that I would ever dare to suggest that I can just play anything that anyone throws at me. But when you've played for a long time, there's almost like an innate working knowledge of how a lot of these songs go. And people generally don't request songs that are completely left of centre. I mean, if they've just seen you play two sets at a gig, yeah. you've got a fairly good idea of where you're at. And in general, they don't request an obscure B-side from, you know, Toto's fourth single. They, yeah, definitely. They're you know, requesting they, Africa and you know it. <laughs> yeah, or if you don't know it, there's... You know, I, I can't explain it in any other way, really, that doesn't make me sound like a bit of a tool. But there's a, just a, a working knowledge. You can just hear where changes are going. And, you know, it certainly it may not be 100% correct, but it'll be 90% correct. It, <laughs> it won't be a train wreck. And, yeah. You know. And the thing is with live music as well, a lot of it, um, you know, from my perspective of watching bands as, as a DJ and even at, at weddings as well, is that um, the live element adds so much to it that even if you hit a bum note or something like that, people don't care, you know? If you hit one bum note, then it's, you know, if everything else works and you've got crowd interaction, all that kind of stuff. I think people, people like, time. They like to see people having a go as well. And if they, you know, if you're standing on stage and someone and you say, all right, what if you could hear anything in the world right now, what would it be? And someone yells out something you've never played before and, it, you know, you've clearly never played it before you give it a go, man, people are right there with you in spirit. And that, that builds an incredible, like a camaraderie between the audience and the band. That's, that's kind of fun. Yeah. That definitely. certainly doesn't happen at weddings, I must say. 
because <laughs> that's not that you know a wedding is not the time to start trying out your B material. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. <laughs> but it's the sort of thing that that a wedding client will see at a gig that I'm playing and think, okay, so these guys have got something. You know, yeah, I, I, I like what I these guys are about. And yeah, if I ask them nice. to play Africa at my wedding, there's a good chance they'll actually go and learn it before we uh, before we do the the thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. And also that you know that you're up for like just doing new stuff and trying new things and you know if they make a request then actually thinking about it rather than just saying oh and that kind of thing as well which is I think is a big thing in this in the entertainment industry is that I think people are a little bit scared sometimes of uh, asking us to do stuff because they think that we're going to look down on them or that we'll say you know we'll just like yell at them or something (laughs) I'm not sure why that's no me either that's interesting I've got a bit of a standing rule certainly at my my solo gigs that uh, when I'm asking the room for requests because quite often you know I mean people aren't backward and coming forward when it comes to expressing their opinions about other people's taste in music. Yeah, um, definitely. So if I ask for a request from one side of the room and they say they're requesting from the other side of the room, I hear someone say, it's like, no, 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 we've, we've got an unspoken rule here. I'm about to speak it, which is you don't poo-poo other people's requests because there's a good chance the next thing you ask for is Nickelback. So, <laughs> so that's cool. Everyone gets a say. It's good. We live in a democracy. Yeah, exactly. And the thing is that all music is terrible in one way or another, pretty much. <laughs> you know? That's what I've learned, is it's all bad to someone. There's always someone that hates something. It's like Exactly Mozart. right. What exactly a wanker. Right. You know? He's deaf. You know, what's the point? <laughs> <laughs> there's always, you know, there's, and everyone's got different tastes as well. And, um, yeah, it, it's kind of funny, though. It's kind of funny. It's a, it's a strange old world. I just think um, the thing is that the, the thing you remember when you go to a wedding particularly that makes it good or bad, you know, uh, I mean the vows, you know, if you, if you cry while the couple are giving their vows to one another, I mean that, that'll stay with you. Yeah. Um, whether or not the food was good, that will stay with you. Mm. And whether or not you were on the dance floor all night, that will stay yeah. with you. Cause they're the, th- you know, you had a couple of drinks <clears throat> You loved the ceremony, you had some great food, and you danced all night. And they, they are the key things that people remember from weddings. Yeah, definitely. definitely. So it's got, it's got to be about good music. It just has to be. And, yep. of course, you know, I mean, my focus is the live side of things. Yours is clearly the DJ side of things. Um, yeah, definitely. But, I mean, the, the emotion and everything else that goes into it is the same, really. Correct. And a lot of the times uh, the difference between a, a DJ and a band is – like space limitations. I know that there's been a couple that they would have loved to have had a band, but they had noise restrictions or they had, there was just not enough space with the amount of people in the venue. Yeah. Um, they just couldn't physically have one. And another thing, sometimes, like I did a, um, a wedding two weeks ago and the bride was 23 and the groom was 24 and they wanted a lot more kind of R&B and yeah, like I guess nightclub, yep. nightclub music kind of thing. A bit more of that. And so um, it's really hard to get a, a band that can play that stuff plus rock and roll plus Spice Girls plus other stuff Absolutely. as well. So, I mean, you know, but the emotion of it is the same. You know, people yeah, on the dance yeah, yeah. floor going crazy and just, yeah, and all of that kind of thing. It's still, well, it's still just the same. being interested in getting a group of people who you don't know very well or at all in many cases, just reading them, reading the room and just having them up there and and dancing all night. I mean, that's that requires thought, and thought about that requires care and attention. You've, yeah. you've got to like it. You've you've got to you've got to want to be there, and you've got to want to be doing a good job. Well, I think that's the other thing as well is that um, all the people that I've talked to really enjoy working at weddings. Like they just really enjoy it, and I think Daniel, that that's probably I, part of it. I. I really genuinely enjoy being a part of someone's special day. If, if if my part of the day can make their day more special than it already is, then that's the key to what I'm trying to do. It's it's my, my part of the event has to be intrinsic to their positive experience of the day. Yeah, definitely. I guess that's one thing that's massively different uh, between different types of gigs because you do lots of different types of gigs as I do in public venues and uh, festivals and all kinds of stuff. 
is that it's really about the bride and groom's experience on the Absolutely. night. Absolutely. Whereas other things, like you were saying, with you know just taking random requests from the crowd, you do that in a pub because it you know it works for that kind of atmosphere. But you wouldn't do it at a wedding because it's not about the guest experience so much. No, I mean, no, part not of so it much. Is, but it's more about the bride and groom's experience of the night, and you're kind of that's your main thing. And certainly, um, if if the bride and groom says to me, you know, just just do what you do at your at your normal gigs, like you know, just get people to request song. That's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you know, that's part of that's their what experience. they want, yeah. and that's right. And so the guests afterwards come and tell them how great the entertainment was, and they played all their requests. Yeah, and exactly. Which is huge. The bride and groom has a right to feel gratified and proud that their big night that everyone was invested in and enjoyed. Mm. You know, there's a, so much planning that goes into a wedding and it's not about the guests, but when the guests come up at the end of the night to the bride and groom and say, that was amazing, the band was great, the DJ was great, that's a good feeling. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, there's just so much planning that goes into it that, um, yeah, it's huge. Mm. And I guess we don't really see too many of these, I'm guessing, because the people that are types of customers, I know definitely mine, put a lot of planning and effort into it and quite often their friends are great and that kind of thing. Entertainment at a wedding is very different to any other type of event, really. Even corporate events. I mean, corporate events, you're looking after the, the client, but it's still a very different thing most of the time with that. It's about making sure that they're happy and making sure that all of their, you know, dot points are taken care of. And that yeah, kind of thing. absolutely. Yeah, whereas with a wedding, it's very much back the experience of the bride and groom and their guests as well, but from the eyes of the bride and groom, I guess. So um, the next question I was going to ask you is about what do you see as the common things in your brides and grooms that get them to have a great experience? Like what are the preparations they do or even the things they do on the day or afterwards or what, what are the common general, things? in general, the brides that have had the best experience are the ones who are most relaxed. Yep. Now, whatever it takes in your particular circumstance to be relaxed about what you're doing, you know, those are the things you should be taking care of. I mean, for me, the only time I get nervous as a performer is when I'm underprepared and I, I just don't get nervous. So, so, you know, for years I've heard big performers, famous performers say that if you don't get nervous before a performance, then you've lost your edge. I, I personally don't believe that. I go in knowing exactly what it is that's expected of me and I know that I'm going to get that job done. I know that I'm going to sing that song properly. Uh, you know, I, I just know how things go. So, you know, the, the ones, the brides that have the best time are the ones who have done their research, asked all the right questions, made the decisions, made a to-do list, ticked those things off the list as they were done and knew that everything was taken care of. Yeah. And I guess had, a, had an understanding that if something goes wrong on the day, if something were to go wrong on the day, that either... A, no one would notice, B, no one would care, and or C, what does it matter anyway? It's your wedding day. <laughs> like, short <laughs> of the priest or celebrant not turning up to perform the ceremony, what does it matter? Yeah, definitely. And um, also, I think uh, what I've noticed is that people that do want to be relaxed, they just get people that they know they can trust that if something does go wrong, then they'll do their 100% best to make sure that A, they will never find out, which is usually the case. And B, it, they kind of go with the thing of, well, I can't do anything on the day anyway. Like, Absolutely. There's so much stuff going on that, that if something happens, then we just need to have all the things in, you know, if it rains, we need to have a thing for if it rains, that kind of thing. Yes. But once it happens, you can't stop it raining. So you just need to go with it. There's That's no right. point wanting it to be a different way. And we've, I've even had one where the celebrant didn't turn up and then they ended up getting in a, like another celebrant to come in later in the night and they still did the ceremony. Oh, wow. Because <laughs> they were like, well, it's really important that we get married today. And that's their, that was the thing. They were like, you know, we uh, were hoping that we'd have the beautiful ceremony during the day and all that kind of stuff. But it, uh, oh, my goodness, that, that's pretty big. It's pretty big. But even then, the, they kind of thought about it and went, well, why are we here? Like, we've got 120 people here. Why are they here? They're here because they love us and they want us to see us get married. Yeah, and they well, certainly, and they, definitely, they don't care. They're just worried that, that you're going to lose it. <laughs> that's right. Surrounding yourself with people who have your best interests at heart is a pretty big key to making sure that everything goes well. I, mm. Speaking of you know disasters that um, the couple never find out about, it, actually, not that long ago, 
I was booked as the entertainment, solo entertainment for a wedding reception, and the, the ceremony was being held on the premises. So moments before the bride entered, the celebrant asked me about the music for the bride's entrance. Ooh. Now, I hadn't been any part of this conversation. That was strictly between the bride and the celebrant, so I had no idea. So the celebrant told me the name of the song. Okay, so, you know, we live in an amazing world now. No worries. I can download that now. She said, oh, my God, thank you so much. I can play it from my phone. The bride will never know how close it was to, all, you know, not being what she wanted. Um, <laughs> what is that having music, like starting walking down the aisle and going, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's one of those things you can't just go, okay, just, just back it up. Just yeah. back it up. But there was no PA <laughs> system where the ceremony was being held. Right. So, so I quickly dialed it up in iTunes. I gave it a couple of listens. I jotted out a chart. And because, of course, I was ready to play in the adjacent room for the reception, I played and sang it live as she walked down the aisle. So the wow. bride <laughs> thought that the celebrant and I had just put this together as yeah, a surprise the last month for or two. Her. Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> brilliant. So she, the bride thought it was amazing and, you know, yeah. She she will never need know how close it was to her walking down the aisle in complete silence. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess that's the, that's the difference between uh, getting people that you trust to you know look after that stuff, so that when that happens, you know, I mean that's experience kicking in. I guess he's just yeah. going, what, "How are we going to make this work? I've got five minutes." And God bless her. I mean, you know, everyone has to start somewhere. But it was the celebrant's second wedding, I think. So clearly, uh. she just. She just, it's ticking boxes. She just hadn't ticked that box. Yeah, well, it probably hadn't come up before. No, the, and it was the bride's first wedding. Like, Yeah, you can't you, expect the bride to go, okay, you know, so let's uh, go through everything. That's right. <laughs> you, you need to surround yourself with people who say, okay, so have you thought of dot, dot, dot? Yeah, you know, Who have you got to do this? Have and you, quite you often know? for us, it's probably about 50-50 where people get asked to MC the reception or get their friend to MC. Ah, yes. And it's the same there as well. Like quite often, because um, I actually say to people, like, I'm happy either way. I know a lot of DJs like to MC the full thing, partly because mm -hmm. you definitely get more referrals from doing it because people feel more of a connection to you. Okay. So you definitely get more bookings from doing the MC. But I think as far as the actual effect, because they're friends or family with the bride and groom, and quite often both of them as well, you know, they can tell jokes that we can never do. You know, they can roast the parents or do any of those things. And they also know, yeah, they know those people. So I'm quite happy to do that. But um, the big thing is really just kind of working with them and telling them about all the things, the pitfalls and the yeah. you know, things to do and not to do and, you know, organize the timelines and all that kind of stuff because that's not something that they've seen before. They don't know that, you know, entree has to go out within five minutes. Otherwise, the, the chef will be yelling in the kitchen. Yes. They don't know all those things because they, you know, they haven't been to hundreds of weddings. So, well, I tend to do a bit of a hybrid thing with the emceeing thing. Like, I, I agree with you 100%. If you've got a family friend who can speak well, they're the person to be doing the emceeing at your personal day. They know about you. They've probably grown up with you. They know who you are and all that sort of thing. But... The last part of the night, the bouquet, the garter, the final circle, whatever it is that the couple is planning to do at the end, I really like to take care of that. And that's twofold. Certainly, I've been the guy on stage with a microphone all night, so I can herd everyone around. They're already used to hearing my voice bellowing through a microphone. So Plus, they kind of know you by that stage as well. That's right. So they're ready for me to say, all right, stragglers, come up. We're going to make a circle now. The beautiful couple want to say goodbye to you. All of those sorts of things that bring everyone together at the end of the night, it's much easier if I do it. And it also means for the venue that I get everyone out on time, which is important. If your function is booked from 6 to 12, if you've got a, a package that goes from 6 p.m. to midnight, you actually need to be out of there at midnight or you're likely to get hit with an additional cost for being yeah. there past past your allotted time. Yeah. And that's and not quite cool a either. Yeah, it's a lot of money as well. Like you're talking, Correct. you know, people don't realise. It's just like, oh, you know, can we extend? Because they, you know, quite often the venues will say, you know, you can extend just, you know, you can have people just in the venue, no, no alcohol, no anything like that. But people can stay for another half an hour and you can keep the music going. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Like, oh, Thank okay, you so okay. much. And then, yeah. yeah, and then they go on the night and they're like, okay, so that'll be another $500 for the extra half an hour just to pay for staffing. And they're just yeah. like, oh, wow. Uh, sorry, what? <laughs> yeah. Um, and the other thing is quite often that bit afterwards doesn't really, like you kind of want to end on a high, really. Absolutely. Everything that's else. That's part of it. Everything else is anticlimactic. 
Yeah, exactly. Where, you know, people are dribs and drabs out. And also, otherwise, you get stuck with hundreds of people wanting to say goodbye to you for a couple of minutes. You know, and if everyone, everyone spends five minutes saying goodbye, then you'll be there for about three days. That's right. <laughs> yes, that's right. And that's <laughs> And I don't an know what the fees of that would be. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, well, I've got, just got one last question before we finish up. So what trends have you noticed over the last 12 months or uh, anticipating in the next 12 months as far as, um, you know, bands at weddings and just entertainment in general? Oh, goodness. I think one of the big trends I've seen is because people are – more than likely living together now before they get married. It's certainly changed a lot in the last, you know, 30, 40 years. They more or less have all of the things, in inverted commas, that they need for their life together. You know, they've got furniture and they've got a toaster and they've, they've got a $400 juice processor. So they don't need any of those things. So I'm certainly seeing a trend towards people giving money as wedding gifts, so, you know, to contribute to a honeymoon. Mm. And, and certainly in the last couple of years, I've noticed that the wedding season has shifted. It used to be very much about sort of December, January, February, but earlier, you know, October, November now, I think mm. uh, it's certainly because it hasn't been the traditional wedding season, it's cheaper. And also you kind of get to make the most of those daylight hours without it being stiflingly hot. In Australia, you're more or less guaranteed in October, November, that the weather's going to be good enough to be able to have an out, outdoor wedding, but it's not high summer. So, yeah, I've certainly seen that. I've heard about other trends happening overseas, you know, um, <laughs> but I don't think I don't think a lot of that stuff is heading towards us, you know, like, you know, the um, the Billy Bob and Angelina giving of blood to one another kind of thing. I, I don't think that's going to happen in Australia. Yeah, I think um, that's uh, that's pretty much a Californian thing. There's lots of things that happen in California that uh, they never catch on because they're completely insane. <laughs> <laughs> Although, do you know what? It's funny you mentioned California, though, because uh, I think what we will see is a trend to maybe advertising will be far more kind of gender neutral. I think there's mm. – even though it's not legal, I think you're going to see a lot more – yeah, a lot more gender neutral advertising and a lot more – kind of inclusiveness in the way people package weddings and civil ceremonies, which I think yeah, would be really definitely. interesting. Yeah, definitely. Well, I've noticed that there's a huge shift to the ceremonies that uh, I go to where I think pretty much every single one, I think, has had a uh, inclusion by the celebrant um, asked for by the bride and groom about gay marriage and how they um, they have to say the words the way they are legally because that's, you know, yes. the legal wording in Australia, but that they, yeah, they don't believe in it basically. So... I think that's a huge thing and I think for a lot of couples, yeah, that's a big thing. And also, yeah, I think with marketing for sure because it's only a matter of time before gay marriage is legalised in Australia. So, yeah, that's that's definitely a big one and definitely mm. a big thing in uh, in California, I guess. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, are you seeing other, any other trends or are there any other trends in uh, with bands? Are you noticing things? I think I've noticed that people are a lot more starting to enjoy the uh, more organic way of, of things happening, like instead of it being very, very uh, formulaic. Yeah. It's kind of becoming I, I, there's more. Certainly, there's a trend, I think, towards more, uh, not cocktail functions per se, but just yet less, less formal occasions. And in, in fact, one of the things that I, one of my goals over the next, well, realistically, probably three, four, five years is to have my own function venue. Oh, cool. And something very much in the vein of uh, almost like a like a gallery space, yeah. Um, rather than you know big brocaded curtains and heavy furniture and you know all that sort of thing. So that's part of a certainly goes back to the heart of why I want to be involved in doing people's weddings because it mm. gets me that much closer to the whole experience and being able to make their experience something memorable. But um. That also goes to the heart of a value for money kind of thing because I would envisage that any venue like that that I opened, and this is part of the, the trend conversation, is the self-catering thing Yeah, where definitely. you're not locked into using a particular venue's suppliers, chef. You know, you, you have a venue that has a decent on-site kitchen and you bring in mm. your own caterers and you do exactly what it is that you want to do. And also, there's uh, yeah, there's definitely a, a lot more. Um, I was talking to a celebrant for the podcast the other day, and uh, she was saying that Instagram's huge and Pinterest is huge with her and all of those services. And she said that you know, 
because she sees the people on the day at the right at the start. She said that she sees a lot of people making their own bouquets and that kind of stuff as well. So very much customizing everything, and which uh, is great. Yeah, yeah, which I think is um, really good. And yeah. even, I mean, even you know, people using iPods at weddings. You know, like I think that's actually a massive positive in a lot of ways. Like if someone wants ska music all night and they know ska music, then they should just use an iPod because. <laughs> It'll yeah, be better so than, uh, my you know, unless you get a scar, that, TJ. <laughs> my issue with that, though, is that once you have an iPod there, that's you, you can't <laughs> you can't allow your guests access to it. New, 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 Because new. you get halfway through a song and then the next person comes up. It's like a jukebox that has a cutoff button and you don't, you don't want that. No, that's the worst. Yeah, because yeah. then you get that whole thing of, like you're saying, with the crowd at... Uh, Maybe making a request where you've got one person, one person out of 50 that's like, boo, boo, yes. this is a horrible song. And it's like everyone else is on the dance floor having a great time. And yeah. then he, he turns Taylor Swift off and you've just got everyone having a bad time. Because we, we, <laughs> it, it tends to be that the squeaky wheel gets the grease. You know, the person who is the, has the most volume is the one that gets their way. And that's, that's not what a wedding's about. <laughs> Definitely. Um, and are you I mean, seeing that, any trends with music and that kind of thing at weddings? No, not especially, honestly. Uh, you know, in general, for me, over the last five years of doing a lot of weddings, nothing really has changed. What you have is two people that are celebrating their new life together with their family and friends, and they just they want to have a good time, and they want their family and friends guests to have a good time as well. Yeah, that's quite and interesting. It really, yeah. it really is that simple. Yeah, because when know. I was... Yeah, talking to that same celebrant, she said, I asked her about all the trends and she said, look, there's huge trends with um, Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, uh, photography, videography now is crazily different. Like that's changing at a huge pace. Uh, but she said for what she does, because it's human interaction, and it's the same for us, because it's human interaction, the songs may change, but human interaction as far as evolution goes, I mean, humans haven't really changed that much in 10, 20, 30,000 years. So... As far no, as that except goes, that we that, shouldn't be on all... a paleo diet. <laughs> but that's another podcast. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but it's interesting you, you mentioned photos because, you know, uh, weddings are expensive. There's, mm. there's no two ways about it. And uh, someone was talking to me the other day about the wedding tax, in inverted commas, the wedding tax. Was that an occurrent affair story? Was that where that sprang from? I think they've had quite a few of those things. I think it's also quite a popular thing on um, on blogs because people – it's one of those clickbait kind of things where, yeah, you know, okay. when, because no one likes to get ripped off. And so. No, they don't. And because for a lot of people, they're only ever going to do one wedding. And this is the first time for a lot of them that they've ever getting entertainment because quite a few of them didn't have entertainment at their 21st or 18th or anything like yeah, that. Yeah. So as soon as you hear, don't get ripped off, people go, oh, I yeah. better. Look, I mean, you know, I don't tend to take a lot of notice of those sorts of media outlets the clickbait yeah. stuff, yeah. anything that has a title that has capitals of every word. <laughs> I, I don't tend to take much notice of that, and I, I don't watch A Current Affair. So I, I'm not really across it, except I would say that I think everything in, in life that you're going to spend money on should be about value for money. Like I'll, yeah. go and I'll spend a lot of money on a meal mm. with friends if it's good. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes you're paying for the name of the place you're mm. eating at. You yeah. Know? And for some people, that's what they're paying for. Like, that's why they're going there. And that's fine. But the thing is, there are certain things that you probably shouldn't skimp on. And I think, I personally think a photographer is one of those. Mm. I think it's really important to have beautiful photos to look back on. Yeah. And beautiful photos and really aren't just the ones where you've captured your best side, which we all get to do when we take selfies and doctor our blemishes and get rid of our red eye and all that sort of thing. A really good photographer that isn't your best friend with a good camera, I'm sorry, it just isn't, a good mm. photographer, they're able to get a, a two-dimensional image to take you immediately back to the that moment of the day. Yeah, that, that that moment where you laughed uncontrollably at something inappropriate you may have honoured did or... <laughs> Or where you spontaneously hugged your best man because that it was just that moment that you remembered he he really was the best man. Yeah, that's what a professional photographer can get. Mm. And the difference between booking a photographer to 
take some photos at your 21st versus taking photos at your wedding, I think there's a reason why it's that much more expensive at a wedding. It's getting together with the client and discussing what it is that they want. It's the same way we've already spoken about asking the right questions. Mm, mm. A professional photographer asks the right questions. A professional entertainer asks the right questions. They find out what it is that the couple wants. And you do, you legitimately pay for that. You don't have to pay through the nose, but it, just as long as you get value for money. Yeah, definitely. I guess that's the main thing really, isn't it? That's the same thing, you know, get live ent- getting live entertainment from your best mate who sings karaoke or having your girlfriend DJ because she's got 10,000 songs in her iPod. That's not the way to have a successful night. Yeah, and definitely not a uh, stress-free night. Because I guess the other thing as well is, and actually people that have got friends that are quite apparently quite competent DJs as friends have said to me, we don't want to use our friend because they're our friend. Because if anything goes wrong, then it's going to impact on our friendship as well, which is another huge thing which I hadn't really thought about before. Wow, okay, that's interesting. Well, they've said, you know, we don't, A, A, we want them to be a guest, so we don't want them working. B, wedding is really stressful anyway. And we don't, if anything did go wrong, then we wouldn't want it to impact on our friendship because friendship and work relationships are totally different things. Yes. They can interact, but... When you've got something this stressful, you know, when you're spending, you know, some people are spending $100,000 on a wedding, uh, you <laughs> don't want to be, oh, you know, you oh. don't want to be relying on those people for that kind of thing, you know. It's a bit different no. if, you know, you're paying someone to do your roof and, you know, it might take an extra three days than they quoted or something like that. That's a very different thing to, um, you know, potentially ruin, ruining a... Even then, I'm not sure if it's a different thing, by the way. <laughs> that, is, that is true, actually. Yeah. Some of the, Yeah. Yeah, when water's pouring in, your um, your wife is yeah. yelling at you. That's that's yeah. the stage where you just go, you call it Frank, and yeah, <laughs> <laughs> your friendship's over at that stage. I think, um, but yeah, I think yeah, I think that's definitely true. And also with the wedding tax thing, I think a lot of it is that um, it's the same with corporate work. Is that uh, people that are really good tend to gravitate to wedding, bar work, and corporate work quite often because they're good and they charge a fair rate. And those are the types of industries where people are happy to pay that money, you know? That's right. I think that's the other thing as well is that if you're getting quotes from people that do lots of photography at 18th birthdays and nightclubs and that kind of thing, then you will get a cheaper quote. But it's, you know, a lot of it's to do with experience. um, Oh, 100%, mate. Absolutely. So, because 10 years Um, experience, you just can't buy. Yeah. I mean, I just, I I genuinely think there are certain (laughs) things that, well, yeah, I mean, entertainment, Food and photos, I think, are the three things you really shouldn't skimp on, you know? I mean, I've I've had a lot of friends who have gotten married. <laughs> I've been the entertainment at a lot of my friends' weddings, and they have been the people that say, oh, we really, we don't want you to have to be the performer, but we just, you're our friend. At, I can't say this without sounding incredibly self-serving. Anyway, you're our friend, but also you, you're the best person we could think of to do this, so we'd really love it if you could... Be our guest, but but also be our entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I've played at I played at one of my best friend's weddings. She self catered. Um, I also troubadoured her down the aisle in the St Kilda Botanic Gardens as her father walked her down the aisle, and I walked along next to them as awesome. I sang and played her favourite song. She's a great test case, and in fact, she's she's somebody I she and I have spoken about the function center together. We've got a very similar mindset about the sort of thing we'd like to do. You know, it comes down to value for money. You know, I don't think you, my experience with the friends of mine who have got married is you, you don't need to spend a fortune on your wedding dress. I mean, not necessarily, Mm. you know. Well, there's lots of things that you don't, I mean, it really depends, I guess, on, you know, like you were saying about figuring out what you want from a band. I mean, it's the same with everything at wedding. Like, what do you want from the day? Like I had uh, one bride and she had three wedding dresses and all of them were under, I think the most expensive one was $1,000 or something. Yeah. Uh, but for her, most of the, the bits she liked about choosing the wedding dress is that she had three that she really liked. And she got to choose which one on the day of the <laughs> wedding that she was going to wear. And that was the thing that she found really great was yeah, the wow. purchasing of the dresses, the, you know, the anticipation of, okay, I've got to pick one which ones are going to be, and the flexibility of that. Whereas for other people, it might be they might want a designer dress that um, someone famous wore and it might be a $15,000 dress, but that's 
you know, what makes them happy. Sure. Um, other people get horse-drawn carriages because they've always wanted one of those. And then, you know, they just use an iPod because music, as far as they're concerned, is not, not important at all. So it really is depending. I think, yeah, people just really need to decide, okay, what's actually really important to me and to us. Well, yeah, uh, but, I mean, that there has to be a price contingent in there. Like, I just, if I was to give any advice to a couple getting married, it would be just don't spend more than you can afford. Yeah. Like you, you need to be honest with each other about what you want and what's achievable. Like just don't start your future together in debt. Yeah. You know, and just, also, yeah. And the other thing as well is um, that uh, taking loans from family and that kind of thing can have negative effects on things as well. So very you know, if, you, if you have to loan, you know, $10,000 for something, then those parents generally want a say in whatever they're paying for. So then yeah. – um, so, and if that's important for you to, you know, to only invite certain people that you want and that kind of thing, then that might not be a problem at all. But sometimes the money that is loaned or given does come with a an extra price tag that uh, you may not yeah, it's anticipate. Yeah, just, just a different sort of interest, yes. Yeah, exactly. Whereas, <laughs> yeah, whereas if you figure out your budget and that kind of thing and, and you're all in that, then at least then you're in, in control of uh, 100% of your own wedding which yeah. uh, for some people is important. Which is not to say you shouldn't take advantage of family and friends offering their help. You know, if, they, you, if people are freely offering of their help, it's because they want your special day to be the most special it can be. Yeah, exactly. So exactly. I think couples should feel free to delegate responsibility to people <laughs> who are responsible <laughs> and, <laughs> and, you know, and who are offering. You know, people offer help because they, they, they want to help. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Mm. Well, we better finish up soon, but are there any things that you want to tell people that are listening to this podcast? Uh, we, I mean, we've certainly spoken about a lot of stuff here. I, when I sit down with, with wedding clients, I do try to explain to them they shouldn't, they shouldn't try to micromanage every last detail. I mean, that comes, that comes back to you and I talking about the, the relaxed nature of the brides who have the best experience of the day. Mm. You know, no one's going to notice if Table 8 has only got five irises in the vase, you know, when the rest have six. Like, <laughs> yeah, true. Just don't sweat the small stuff. By the way, all those letters, all those words are capitalised. Um, <laughs> I'll give you clickbait. Um, and, I, and I also, I tell my clients to, um, to take mental snapshots of the day and night. Like mm. in most instances, the, the lead up to the wedding has been busy and sometimes quite stressful and certainly tiring. So now it's here. Like you've, you've got to enjoy it. Just remember to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And it, will, it goes by so quickly. So every now and then over the course of the night, just take your partner's hand, give it a squeeze, and just take some time to remember that this is the, this is the first night of your new life together. So just mm. like breathe and soak it in and mental snapshot that moment because it's your wedding. You know? and, then- and it goes so fast. Oh, yeah, and then don't be surprised when it, uh, at the end of the night, all of a sudden it arrives and you realise you haven't had a chance to speak with all your guests. That's that's fine. It's absolutely mm. fine. Yeah. Yeah. But just remember, you know, like you're, you're about to get married to your life partner. As you, mm. in, in the lead up, you, you're, you're taking this person for the rest of your life. Yeah. So what I mean is like take some time out from the organising of things to make time for one another. I don't mean a working bee. I don't mean getting together and doing and invitations, building your invitations. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean like a like a date day or you know or a weekend if you can spare it. Just take some time to decompress together and celebrate yeah. all the hard work you've put in and 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 get yourselves emotionally ready for the giant life step you're about to take. Yeah, that's very true. Actually, mm-hmm. I think yeah, quite often it's uh, and especially because people aren't getting married in the church now as much. I think it's gone down from uh, 45% to 25% or something like that yeah, in the last 10 yeah, years. Yeah. And I think with that, you know, there was lots of, uh, you know, you had to go see the priest beforehand to make, you know, and they had to kind of sign off on it and that kind of thing. Whereas now, because uh, a lot of people use a celebrant and that kind of thing, there's still the, you know, the legal things and all that thing that need to go through. But I think emotionally, potentially, yeah, there's less kind of uh, getting people ready for when, you know, they walk down the aisle yeah, that's and right. just the emotions of it and the, yep. yeah, and I think sometimes that hits people that have been busy organising the wedding but not emotionally kind of getting ready for the, the whole thing with family and friends and everyone there and that kind of thing. So, yeah, that's good advice. Hmm. Um, so, how can people get in contact with you? Uh, I have a website, www.mattbradshaw.com. That's my own sort of personal 
page, but all my contact details are there. Um, you know, management at mattbradshaw.com if you want to drop me an email. The agency that my friend Andrew and I run is called Space Between Notes. That's www.spacebetweennotes.com. Excellent. Sounds good. <laughs> uh, well, thanks for being on the podcast today, Matt. Very much appreciated, and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much for your time, Daniel. Okay, bye. Bye.